Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfoe Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Sean McAdam has been one of the most well-respected, longest-tenured writers in all of Boston sports media. So that's when news came down in December that he and Comcast were parting ways after seven years. It sent a shot across the bow for everybody in the industry. Why did this happen? How did it happen? And really, where was Sean going to go from here? Well, Sean came on the Bradford Show for about an hour for a really what I think was a fascinating conversation to answer all the tough questions. This is a guy who I have respected for a long, long time, Sean McAdam. Well, making his triumphant return to the WEI studios, which uh, we found out that he hasn't been to in over two decades, um, Sean McAdam, actually not two decades. Maybe not quite that long, Rob. It and just seems that way. It's crazy. I had no idea that you hadn't been in the uh, – listen, we, we've done over the whole thing. It's like I Disney think you've World. done it over three times <laughs> since I've been here. Well, when you left, were, were we in the main studio yes. here? Yep. Okay, yes, yeah. And, and It was configured differently, but yes, it was the same general studio. But now there's beanbag chairs and lava lamps and pinball machines. Yes, and an adult playground of some sort is what I heard. So <laughs> It's weird. You look right through this window and there's Glenn Ordway. In a- it's like some things never change <laughs> except he's in bikini briefs because he's away <laughs> so much less uh sean mcadam we're so uh, happy to join us here and and uh we're gonna get to a lot of different things i've known sean for a long time i consider him a mentor and and we we had a we had a nice party uh a couple well about a month ago for you right yep. it was just a random party though it had we just said we gotta have a Sean McAdam yeah, party. You know what we haven't done in a while? Had a party at Bucks. That's right. <laughs> but it was good. It was a uh, it was a great time. A lot it was. of great I, people. It was a a great turnout of a lot of friends in the industry, and um, uh, I, I was very moved by the whole thing. And uh, uh, it, it was uh, it, it meant a lot to me. Was it what you thought it would be? I mean, I, I went to listen. As Buck said, it said, or someone said, maybe you said it. It was the most straight people ever in Buck's house at one. <laughs> we time. set a record. Yes, yes. It, we were all part of history. It had nothing to do with uh, saying goodbye to me. It was more. Uh, this was the. I said it was the most straight people that have ever assembled in Steve Buckley's house in one night. So <laughs> uh, they, they should have given out certificates to mark the occasion. Well, uh, they actually did. Um, but I will. I will say this: we had that function just because it, you said you know say goodbye to you, but obviously it's not like you're going too too far away. And, and you're going to be doing a lot of different things, and great things are ahead. Uh, Sean left uh, Comcast over the last couple months, which um, a lot of people know about, and we want to get into that a little bit. But the first question I want to ask you, Sean, is that this must be the first spring training that you have not been in Fort Myers or Winter Haven, and we talk about not coming to the EI studios for decades. Right. When was the last time you've never went the gone to spring The last spring training? training I missed was 1989. Wow! Yeah, and... Anytime you start introducing Winter Haven into the equation, that went, that's when you know it. Had, it's been a while. I did uh, 
I did weather a couple of spring trainings in Winter Haven the last two or three years. Oh, with the Providence Journal, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, started on the beat in 1989 for the Providence Journal, um, but did not go to spring training that year. Uh, it went in 1990 to uh, 91. And the first year, I always get this mixed up in my head, whether the first year in Fort Myers was 92 or 93. But whatever year it was, I was there for that. And every spring training since until this one. So, yeah, it's it's been an adjustment. Uh, newsflash, it's cold and snows in February and March <laughs> in New England, which I, had, which I had only heard um, – you know, long distance uh, before, and I'm experiencing it firsthand, and I have to say I'm a little disappointed about it. Uh, but it, it, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been an adjustment. You know, uh, I think, Rob, you do this, so there's kind of a um, an internal clock to your year, a, a cyclical nature to the season, uh, and usually the Super Bowl finishes up. Uh, Johnny Miller's already down there yes. waiting, and uh, you know that you're leaving, you know, depending on whether it's a WBC year, as this one is or not, you know that you're getting ready to go to spring training. You're picking out shorts and and uh, short sleeve short shirts from your bureau and putting them in a bag, and you're off by the 10th, 12th, 14th of February, and that, you know... You, I always I, I have a very clear uh, memory every year of walking down the tarmac, not the tarmac, but the uh, you know boarding the plane yep. to go to Fort Myers, and you, you kind of take a breath and say, "Here we go," and it feels like you're getting on the roller coaster or the merry-go-round or choose your amusement park ride for the year, and you're going to be on that ride until uh, you know at least October, if not beyond, and and it, it's. Excuse me. It's been an adjustment, uh, you know, psychologically. Um, uh, when when that's usually your your time frame and your uh, time of year, and the the cycle begins, and then it doesn't, you kind of feel a little bit of uh, out of sorts. So, you know, I've been trying to follow everything from afar, uh, read everything that's being written on the beat. Well, did you did you actually? Is there a sense or a time in throughout the spring training that you said I don't want to? look at this stuff i don't want to pay attention to it um yeah i i can't say that i haven't felt some of that mm. um you know it, it's been uh for whatever reason it's been a little harder to watch the games the you know the handful that have been on so far uh because then that's really kind of hits you in the face that you're not there and um you know it's 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 a little easier to take my ipad out every morning and and go through uh you know all the papers and websites and keep up to th- uh, up to date with things, uh, which I want to do, uh, but it's it's been harder to sit down and watch games. Uh, I've done it, but I, I'd say I, f- I feel it a little bit more when I'm watching the games on TV rather than reading about it. Well, first of all, the to- I was wondering why the Tommy Bahama stock plummeted in in, in February and March. You know, the, the Tommy Bahama stock is down. There are a number of Mexican restaurants oh, who Katita are Tito Laredo. They they were asking about they're, you. They're 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 teetering on the uh, <laughs> on the brink without my input. This year, um, but they're just going to have to soldier on without me. What um, was there a time? So, like you said, there's usually in this case you might go down February eighth, February tenth because of WBC. Um, was there a a definitive time where it hit home for you more than you know, like you said, watching the games? But was there a time? Was it as February went along? Was it when March started? When the game started? Was there a, a time where it really hit home? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess there's probably some signposts. You know, one is truck day. As much as we goof on it, yeah. you know, it's like usually I'm leaving within a day or so of that, as a lot of us do uh, when you get down there for the for the beginning of of uh, spring training. <coughs> um, so that was one. Uh, you know, another is is um, the you know the first official workout. I mean, all the it's it's all kind of predictable. Yeah. You know, this is a regimented time of year. It's you know pitchers and catchers report, and then uh, position players report, and first full squad workout. And you know, I, in my mind, I knew what all those dates were. And every day, it, it, you know, every day that one of those happened, and I wasn't there. You know, you feel that you feel some remove and distance and uh, isolation and all of that. But look, I, I don't want to make it seem like you know. No, I'm, I'm in a corner uh, in my house, you know, uh, sucking on my thumb and rocking myself into some in, into submission. Um, but it's it 
you know, psychologically, it's been when, when you do something for 28 years, which is how long I've covered the team, and all of a sudden you don't. Um, you know, and, and then there's just kind of the social interaction, you know, um, where I go to get my hair cut. You know, it's like, oh, you're usually not here. Well, how come you're not in spring training? Yeah. And, you know, that <laughs> kind of stuff. Let me tell you a story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's hard to get away from. Um, I'm not wallowing in it. I'm not pitying myself. But I'd, I'd be lying to say that uh, I don't feel differently this spring than I have for the last almost three decades. Well, and, and you know, I, we kid about, like, your barber or something. Or, I'm sorry, your hairstylist. Stylist, yes. because, you know, yes. th- this can't be entrusted <laughs> to just anyone, Rob. Well, anyone with a pair of, you know, with, 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 a, with a buzz razor that can plug in. Well, it's and, it's and, weird when you go and ask for the Edelman. Yes, they, they, yeah. So, but, you know, when, when they, you're asked that question, and and the answer isn't isn't simple. I mean, right. I, it's, the answer is, what I would want to do in that situation is here sit down and i'm going to tell you about the industry and this is a lot of stuff that i want to get into (laughs) which which would be awesome with a barber i'm sorry the stylist to listen to this but this is part of what i want to talk to you about and we can talk back and forth about where this whole thing where this whole mess of a industry is going um but before we go to that i want to do get a little bit of a timeline in terms of of when you get to this point um when you were at, you were at Comcast for how many years? Uh, seven. Seven years. Wow. Seven years. Yep. And before that, like we said, you were at the Province Journal. Actually, uh, a year at the Herald. A year. At the, yes. Right. Yes. Before, uh, in in between, uh, you know, twenty something years at the Journal. Not all of them covering the Red Sox, but most of them from eighty nine until uh, the end of the two thousands or kind of the playoffs in two thousand seven. I'd left the journal. I went to the Herald for almost exactly one year. You and me both. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, left to go to Comcast when they started up the website and went to more of a full-time programming, and that was in November of 2009. You know, and so we, when you we, – during that time, that was 2009, like you said, you go from newspaper, newspaper, Comcast, which, you know, we went – I went to newspapers – and then radio station. When you went to Comcast, could you sense that things were changing? I mean, that's 2009. A ton of stuff has changed. But yeah. how you did your job, that was sort of when things – I would imagine it was a lot different than what you were used to. Um, in a sense, um, the writing really wasn't all that different. I, I, you know, A good part of my job – was still covering the team as a beat person, as a beat reporter, and uh, and writing about that. And that might include columns and notebooks and game stories and blog posts and, and the kind of things that were already uh, sort of commonplace, even if you worked at a newspaper, because it was transitioning to that 24-hour news cycle. It wasn't, well... This happened at 10 o'clock in the morning, and my first edition is 9.30, so I have 11 and a half hours to sit down and take my sweet time to write. And that's how it was when I started. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it was, you know, you, you if you found something or you got something early in the day, you kind of you held, held it. You held it, and you held your breath that no one else was going to get it. And then you woke up in the morning and called your office from wherever you were. Hey, was this in the Globe? Was was this in the Herald? Um and then because of, uh, you know, the advent of online journalism, whether it be here at EEI or at Comcast or newspapers who uh, felt the need to compete with those kind of um, mediums and update their news at 10 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 6 o'clock at night, not just for the next day's paper, uh, we were all kind of... Uh, you know, it's like I, I like to say we were all all of a sudden AP reporters where there were no deadlines no. and it was a it's a twenty four hour news cycle. And you probably had those conversations as 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 early as or back in I remember two thousand seven, two thousand eight, around that time, where you actually had that conversation about hey, should I hold it? Should I hold it? Should I hold it? And now that's I mean, think about that. Yep. I mean, you you don't hold it. You don't. You don't. Yeah, you even, can't afford to hold. You it. don't even link to a story off of Twitter. Right. So, and and this is a this is a development that really has happened over. I think in the last couple of years. But to go back to when you started at Comcast, I remember one thing that I really was like, "How is he going to be able to do this?" You were doing the writing. They wanted you to cover it like everything else, yep. and then they wanted you to do TV hits in between the writing. Right. Which is which is something that. 
none of the other newspapers had to do. I mean, yeah, we you know we came down and did our paid appearances, but they were extracting their pound of flesh. Out yeah, of I mean, the first couple of weeks of spring training were you know it was not unusual to have. 14 and 15 hour days. You know, it's it's at the ballpark at eight o'clock when the clubhouse opened, and uh, you know, and that was all about writing for most of the day. And then at six o'clock, we'd have the early edition Sportsnet Central at, at, at six, which we would do live. Um, we would have uh, several hits in that. Sometimes we would uh, we would do some Sports Tonight hits that we would tape or do live. Then we would have to. Uh, Tape some hits for the late Sportsnet Central at ten thirty. It didn't behoove, given the 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 uh, you know the dynamic of spring training. It wasn't as if anything was going to change uh, for the most part between seven o'clock and ten thirty. But they didn't want to have the crew there for another three and a half hours, so we wait until it got dark. Tape something that they would use for ten thirty. But then there were also we would do the baseball show, yep. uh, which could be an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, for six, seven nights in a row. And so, as I said, uh, you know, getting to the ballpark at 7.30 in the morning. And nobody, off- nobody, nobody wants to hear that, the spring training. Uh, I know, yeah. I know. And, no, and, I'm and, not and saying I, that you... That no, no, you I, I, but I almost, I, I almost interjected there, like, look, this is not working in a salt mine or digging <laughs> ditches or... Or anything like that, but they were long days. That's know. my point. Is yeah. that my, what I was going to say is that no one wants to hear it, but I don't care because they are long days. And for you, like you said, I, I could see what you did in terms of all right. We were all going to Cantina Laredo or whatever. Oh, I can't because I got to do my five TV hits. Let me ask you this: So the last couple of years you were there, did you sense it changed at all? Like, did you sense it was uh, they were devaluing the writing? I mean, I don't know if they were or not. Did they did they uh, change how they were using you? Did you see uh, any sort of change in the last couple? Well, of years? I, I mean, one thing I was disappointed in. I, I, are we talking just spring training or in general? No, I, it can be either. Yeah, I mean, one thing I was disappointed in is because of some budget cuts uh, for the last two seasons. Uh, and, and look, uh, I've said this. I said it when it happened. Uh, I'll say it uh, forever. Uh, in general. I look back on my time at Comcast as a and as a as a positive one. Uh, there are a lot of talented people there uh, with whom I remain friends. Uh, Art Martone, who was the sports editor um, at Comcast Sportsnet New England, uh, is one of my dearest friends. We have known and worked known each other and worked together for decades. And he remains uh, a close and valued friend, and there are people there on the TV side, on the digital side, that remain good friends. So I, I, you know, there's no sour grapes here. But it was disappointing the last couple of years when, from a corporate standpoint, they began, uh, you know, cutting the travel budget and not sending me to as many road games. And, um, you know, that was largely financial, but I also got the sense that some of it was philosophical where it's like, well, you don't really need to be at every game. And <clears throat> as you well know, the answer is, yeah, you do. Well, baseball's different. Right. And I, I'm, I've, I'm an enormous proponent or advocate of not sending people to football games. I think there's, except for TV, I get the TV mm-hmm. aspect of it, but there are all the things that we talk about with travel with baseball. There's none of it with football. And that highlights what the importance of baseball where, being around is so important because the access is so much more. Right, and it, it's, it's yeah, and, and, and to get a and to get a sense of what's going on with the team, you need to be there. If not every day, then most of the day. And look, again, I don't have to tell you this. Nobody does 162 games. It's physically impossible. It's literally physically impossible. Yeah, and if you do, you're dead the next year. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if you do three quarters of them, you're in good. You know, you're doing well. If you get get to 125, 130 games, that that that's uh, that's enough to be around. So that if you're, you know, you miss a series or have a day off or whatever, uh, then that's okay. But you have to be around to get a sense of what's a you know, the day-to-day dynamic with the team. And not being able to do that the last couple of years, which, as I said, was more, uh, I got the sense, financial than it was any sort of, uh, you know, change in the approach. But that was difficult, uh, you know, and and, um, I was sometimes writing columns off from home after watching road games on TV. and Which is, is, once again... People do it now, but unheard of even 
you know, when you started at Comcast, yeah. that was unheard of. Right, right. And, um, you know, so that was a that was a bit of an adjustment and perhaps a uh, an ominous sign, as it were, you know, for the future and their and, you know, their willingness to commit to those kind of resources that I think you need to have to do the job properly. When did you so you go to the last year this last year, like you said, mm-hmm. cut back a little bit on the travel. Did you get any sense at all that the that the ultimate hammer was coming? Um and as the season goes along, you're doing things like you normally would, but did you get any sense at all? Because this is one of my things when people ask me about you. I'm like, well, if you didn't like what they were doing, then or are you going to go a different direction, then tell them. Like tell I, I maybe they did I don't know but tell him in May hey we want to adjust this or adjust that instead of just saying boom there you go did you get any sense of it at all well I I knew that um, I knew that we were covering fewer road games uh, I think we did forty two or forty three so about half the road schedule this past year after having done almost every single road game for the first you know five seasons and all but maybe you know. 20 or so in 2000. And if you didn't go, they would send somebody else. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. And then that stopped. You know, if I was taking a break uh, and vacation, then sometimes we didn't have anybody there. Um, so, I mean, I was told that, um, you know, this is that, that there's going to be some uh, changes. We're not going to be traveling as much as we have. And I knew that they were probably going to cut the travel budget further still for 2017 uh, wasn't like I could lobby to change anyone's mind you know these were decisions that were being made at the corporate level Um, I think there were some people in the building in Burlington who weren't happy about that but um, you know at some point you sort of accept that this decision's been made or you know you walk away and you know, I liked working there. I enjoy. I got to enjoy and got more comfortable doing TV, and doing that part of it was fine. Um, <clears throat> but it was also, I, I think, you know, in retrospect, you can see the emphasis had begun to um, shift a little bit from, you know, news and reporting and analysis to kind of the hot take mentality, yep. and we can see. Some of the um, programming changes that are being made at yes. Comcast coming up, where they're, you know, they are going to de-emphasize being in the field, where you know there probably aren't going to be as many reports live from Fenway, and certainly not from the road, uh, and it's more studio contained, and it's more uh, along the lines of some of the things that you see happening at both ESPN and FS1, uh, you know, the the Stephen A. Smith slash Skip Bayless. Uh, influence on the television industry is pervasive. Mm-hmm. It's what brings in 20-something viewers, which is where the money is and where the future is. And, um, you know, frankly, that's not something that... You, you, I, don't, you don't like doing that. I mean, you've done talk radio, Yeah, I, Yeah, uh, right. Um, but to me, that's kind of a different animal. Yeah. And, you know, I was hired as a reporter, as a news guy, as someone that could provide some context and analysis and uh that wasn't totally devalued but as i said it was clear that it was moving toward uh more of the debate style at the expense of being there and talking to people and interacting and then reporting from the ballpark and so in that sense um i i guess it was not a uh you know complete out of the blue Shot across the. But bow. when they call when they called you, I don't know when it was. When yeah, it was. was uh, it was uh, mid November. Mid November, but it was that must have been a little bit surprised. And was there a sense on you when they're saying, "Well, all the things that you said, hey, you know, we're going away from this, and we want to do this." There, hey, I can, you know, I'm a smart guy. I, I can do all of this because this is one of my things. What's wrong with doing all of it? Yeah, it was there. Did you try to tell them, say, "Hey, yeah, yeah," you know, you're you're trying to scramble a little bit and you you know you realize <clears throat> you're kind of fighting for your existence and your job and um you know but clearly they had mi- made their mind up uh to go in another direction as the proverbial saying goes in the business and um you know I had to honor that so uh it wasn't as if I had much of a choice at that point 
the um, you went to the winter meetings. You knew that, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. They they gave me the they you know they gave me the option. Do you want to finish out the calendar year, go to the winter meetings, or you know? Uh, and I, I don't have to think long and hard about that. I wanted to continue to do the job. Uh, I felt that that was kind of my duty and my responsibility, and I also thought it was the right thing to do. And um, at the time, nobody knew. I didn't, you know, beyond my family, uh, nobody knew that I was uh, leaving. Uh, winter meetings took place in December. I did them as I ordinarily would. And it was, you know, it was a little wistful being there and knowing like, well. I couldn't tell. I mean, I, I mean that as a compliment. No. Is that you did your job and you did it like you always do and. I would. I don't know if we've seen other people, Sean. We've seen other people who are in similar situations and even more secure situations, just trying to ease their way out, and they're just mail- they're showing up right at game time and not doing anything. So. Yeah, I, I. I mean, I, I'd like to think that I have a sense of professionalism and that uh, it was time to. You know, they were still paying me. I had a responsibility to do my job. Um, I, I can't say it was. Uh, it, it wasn't a, a bit of a challenge at times. Uh, as I said, it was it, it, wistful was was the word that comes to mind. Uh, you know, walking out of that hotel on uh, December tenth or eleventh or whatever, and looking around and saying, "Why? I, I don't know if I'll do another one of these. I don't know if I'll see a lot of these people again." And yet, I didn't want to turn it into a circus and and tell people in the industry and executives and scouts and other writers like. Hey, see ya. You know, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to turn it into some big maudlin thing for me, and and keeping it bottled. Yeah, you know, people I worked with. You know, I, I was there with uh, uh, with Trenny Kuznarek, who's a good friend of mine. She didn't know. Uh, you know, a couple. Uh, Bill Messina, who you know well, yeah. uh, uh, a videographer there. Um, and Bill knows, and Moose knows everything. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> That's the ultimate secret. Right. So, um, and then, uh, you know, then about um, maybe two or so weeks uh, after the winter meetings was next when it became you know, more public. Next thing we know, we're at Buck's house. Yes. With, with yep. the heterosexual uh, gala. Gathering. Um, so, uh, you, you, we talked a little bit about where it was going and where Comcast decided to go. And they are clearly, clearly, I mean, this isn't, like, I say that you can do a little of everything. This isn't, right now, it doesn't seem like, they're doing a little of anything. They're doing all of one thing, which is, again, hot take, opinion, bigger shows. Who knows if it's going to work? Um, the the way that you saw the industry going, and one of the things we were talking about this before, one of the reasons I, I was thinking of, of talking with you was Jerry Callahan went back and down when they were down to Fort Myers, said, oh, this is so much easier to – cover the beat now it's so much easier to cover baseball now because back in 1988 you had to go in and see jim rice and see this and that you tell me i mean you said you started on the beat in 1989 right right, right? Yep. 1989 yep tell me which is more difficult covering it covering this whole mess now or covering what what happened well then? far be it for me to disagree with a fellow <laughs> chumsford high alum um but yeah i'm with you on this rob i i think it's uh um and again, not whining, not complaining, woe is us. But I, I think there are many more challenges now than there were uh, almost 30 years ago when I started. Uh, you know, there, there was, um, um, I, I mean, I, I, in a certain sense, it's, it's kind of apples and oranges. And it's almost difficult to compare the two because in many ways, doing the job in 1989 and doing the job in 2017 is like, completely different Two different jobs right exactly um and we we made reference earlier to uh you know the 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 24-hour news cycle that we deal with now um i will agree that uh in terms of personalities uh this is an for a long time you know with with a few exceptions the red sox clubhouse has been a pretty good room to work there's always you know one or two guys that maybe aren't your favorites 
uh, but it, it, it seems like it's less antagonistic now. Uh, maybe it's because there's more of us. Um, maybe it's because there's some anonymity. I, I, I'm not sure how to define that, but I would, I would agree that some of the veterans uh, in the, on those Red Sox team in the 80s, whether it be Don Baylor or Dwight Evans or Jim Rice, were strong personalities who, uh, who could be intimidating and were, were maybe uh, less cooperative than the guys are in general now, but I, I, I think that's, um, you know, that's probably more than made up for the number of uh, changes that have happened to the, to the medium and some of the other things you have to deal with. You know, the, the most obvious of which is that, uh, you know, back in 1989, it was all kind of right in front of you and everybody was essentially doing the same thing. You had early notes, you know, uh, a, a game story, update the game story, update the notes, and that was it. And again, you dealt with deadlines, but you weren't – if if something happened at 1030 in the morning, you didn't have to worry about it until whenever your first edition was, and that might be eight, ten hours later. Now there's a responsibility to, you know, to get that information out there now. So you're you're always sort of on call. Uh, there's no off button, particularly when you're on the road and and you might be the only representative of your outlet. Um, so it's 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 a more demanding job now, I think. Oh yeah, and and well, my my take on all of this stuff is which why can't it's like Moneyball scouting analytics. Well, why can't, why can't it, it be both? Can, yeah, can I it mean it's a, it's so a big... you you worked with you worked with Krabis, and I'm just using Jared as an example of sort of a, a faction of this. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean that that element or that part of the media did not exist in the late '80s or early '90s, or even for that matter, ten or twelve years ago, where uh, you know I, I I don't mean to speak for him, but I think it's pretty clear that Jared is a fan, and that's fine. Um, but he's not going into this with any degree of objectivity. I mean, he he celebrates kind of his his friendship with David Price and, you know, they joke about sleepovers. And, I mean, you wouldn't do that in a traditional reporting sense. Um, you know, you, you used uh, uh, you used one metaphor about money ball. I would say it's kind of, you know, it's a smorgasbord. And if you want traditional coverage, that's there. If you want, uh, you know, uh, whether it be a blogger or somebody who – is kind of uh, rooting for the team or rooting for particular guys or, you know, being really irreverent, that's there. Uh, if you want the statistical analysis and sabermetrics, that's there. And I think that only benefits the consumer or the fan or the reader, listener, viewer, however you want to label it, that there there are more options to choose from. So why can't Comcast do that? I mean, why can't and, – and I know that you don't run Comcast, but this is what the question I would ask. Why can't we have all of it? Why does it have to be one or the other? I mean, Well, my sense is that uh, not surprisingly, and I would make an analogy to what you do here, uh, while there is a digital platform and a writing platform for you, it's the radio end of things Draw. that makes the money. Yes, that is accurate. And helps support the fact that there is also a digital footprint and an opportunity for you to write. And that's no different at Comcast where um, television drives drives the bus. It's, you know, we know, I think most people know, even casual uh, observers of the media industry know that it is difficult to monetize the digital end of this business. It's, it's, one it's, a, it's more of a marketing tool than actually a exactly. I, I mean, in a more traditional business sense, you might call it a lost leader. Yeah. You know, uh, okay, we're not making a lot of money on the website, but it's providing something to talk about. Uh, on the radio or on TV to amplify on TV, it draws people in. Uh, you know, it it, it balances out it it, um, it provides talking points it it draws attention to the entity uh, so you know they have to make decisions based on what works for them on the television side and what they've seen nationally as we talked about earlier with skip Bayless and and Stephen a Smith and all the hot take shows 
that do so well on ESPN and attract viewers, particularly younger ones, is that's that's where the money is. And I think um, Comcast found that having news and highlight-based TV shows was losing ground to um, the kind of hot take shows. You know, for instance, Sports Tonight, uh, which, you know, would be the, the, the show where uh, Gary Tangway would be on, where Kirk Menahan would be on, where Michael Felger's on. That consistently got better numbers than Sportsnet Central. Mm. Um, one more bit of evidence that people want to hear the back and forth and the debate and then they do the more traditional highlights and analysis and reporting. It's interesting, you know, one of the things when, because you're right, I think it's become more of like radio talk show. I mean, we yeah, use, I, we use a Skipper Bayless example. Yeah, you, you asked me, how do I explain to people, yeah. like, well, how come you're not a Comcast yeah. anymore? What happened? And my, you know, my short answer, okay, I've only got 30 seconds to explain this. I tell people, and I don't mean this in a bad way, Comcast is, in a, in a sense, trying to become the third talk station in Boston. You know, there's two on the radio, and for a while, you know, they did some of that while providing, um, you know, news and highlights and stuff within the Sportsnet Central venue, and now they've kind of gotten away from that, and they are, uh, look, this is a remarkable sports market. You you know that. Sure. Anyone listening to the to this knows that. Uh, we're we're in a golden age in terms of the success of the media teams. has made more money at this sports market than any other market, not even close. I mean, you go to the the Comcast hits. I do the Nesson thing, the radio, everything else. It is unlike any other market. Right, right. You, you even even a bigger even you know even bigger markets, L.A., New York, Chicago. There isn't that appetite for having reporters on different media different media platforms twenty four seven and. But I think we're we're getting at that issue backwards. There's a demand for it, um, and some would say that's not a good thing, and some would say it is what it is. But the fact that there are two healthy, very profitable sports radio stations in this market uh, is is unique. I mean, it happens in some markets, but not many. And there's been a lot of speculation that as successful as these two are, maybe it could stand a third. In the radio sense, well, whether it can or not, I think Comcast, though they're obviously battling for different advertising dollars and it's a different medium altogether, video, TV versus radio, they they take a look back. They, they step back and say, look, there's, people are already listening to this a lot on the radio. Why don't we give it to them in a TV form? And you know what? One of the things, and this goes, you're around the beat writers and-, and and with a lot of the beat, a lot of the beat writers, including probably us over the last few years, we we bristle at a lot of this stuff because this isn't this wasn't how we were raised. This isn't when I was looking up to Sean McAdam and trying to emulate you. I mean, this isn't that that was the job that I wanted to do. And that and now we sit there and you have the Tim Britons and the Brian McPhersons and the, and and the you know all these younger guys, the Ian Brown, that young buck Ian Brown at MLB.com, <laughs> and this they know the job, and so the frustration because what this has become so popular, the frustration is is they're wrong. Why are they wrong so much? Why are they allowed to be so wrong so much? And my explanation to them, and actually to players who have bitched about this, is they're program director, their producer is never going to come down and say, Sean, you were wrong about that ERA. <laughs> they were just going to be, were you entertaining or did, did you engage? And that has become the priority. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, um, it, it, it isn't, uh, you know, and, and a, a certain amount of that is okay. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I went to Comcast with my eyes wide open, knowing that TV was a different animal and that things would be asked of me that hadn't been asked of me in my previous stops. And I, I, I can't say I never, but I say I seldom was uncomfortable with what they were, you know, they'd say, well, um, 
Talk about the fact that John Farrell is clearly the dumbest man ever to manage a baseball team, <laughs> you know, and I'd say, well, you know, is there a way that we can maybe not be so pert, you know, look, it's fine to sit there and say, did he make the right move in lifting this guy in the seventh inning or pinch hitting this guy or, or calling for a bunt here or not moving a runner over. That's all fair game. Uh, you know, there were times when it got personal with on, on some people's behalf and, and like or not like people um oh you also have to be around them I mean, yeah let's be exactly right and that you know that that takes then but the problem is when you say that is that you get jerry and kirk saying oh so you're afraid to face them and you won't tell us what you really think no that's not it but there has to be a a, a um there's got to be a degree of professionalism and you know and look whether it be John Farrell or players or front office people, they're used to criticism. They're not always going to agree with it, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And you can say, you know, boy, I thought Farrell cost him the game yesterday without saying, you know, uh, if there's any justice in the world, John Farrell should be shot at sunrise tomorrow because he's clearly an incompetent boob. You know, I, I mean, somewhere there's a happy medium. And, you know, and sometimes that, that line got blurred, and when I was uncomfortable with where they were going, I'd say, I don't want to say that. You know, I, I, I'm, I, it's okay to criticize. It's okay to question. It's okay to second guess. That's that's part of the fun of sports on radio or TV. Uh, nobody would want to listen to a recitation of, you know, how war – uh, is derived or or you know some uh, deep dive into analytics for a half hour, so you have to have some fun with it, and you can't be dry and and numbers based, and it's and it's fun and it's part of every fan's experience watching the games, following the team at home to say, ah, oh, why did he do that? And then it's okay for you to say, well, he did this because, and I think that's the right decision, or, yeah, I agree. I don't understand why that move got made, and it probably backfired and cost him the game. But when it gets personal and when it gets when it crosses the line, then it gets uncomfortable. You have the producers at Comcast, I would always get the sense, and you know maybe other places as well, but I would always listen to what was said on the radio, and that's going to be the hot take, and that's what we're going to yell about. For me, when I was at Com doing stuff for Comcast, it was, hey, you know, go in with Felger and have him yell about Josh Beckett. And I was so dumb. I handled that so poorly because I was like... Well, your instinct is to kind of get defensive. Yes. Yeah, not not defend, you know, like, hey, he's my friend. You can't say that. But you try to like, whoa. You know, like that. That's a little. That's well, a little harsh. I also, or, I viewed it as facts. And and, yeah. and once again, and I'm like, you're not. You're. you're and this is what. And makes, the minute you start to get defensive, oh, you're dead. It's it's over. And yeah. and I I learned that, and and everyone should learn that. But that's how it is. And they want the confrontation. And yeah. I I remember going in there and being like, I am gonna. I have like five things queued up for Felger, and I am gonna just bury him. And he just listen, 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 and then get to the end and be like, for the best baseball coverage, go to CSNNE.com. And for more for four, four hours more of me telling you how awful you are, then there you go. Um, I do sense that we could talk about the coverage of the team and, and going back to which is it harder to cover back in 1989 or now. I get the sense that sort of to the 2011 thing was a where it took a turn. Yeah. Because of the chicken the beer right. stuff and the September collapse, and the, the and September collapse, and then the stuff that happened after, and the how come you guys didn't know about this, and all of that stuff, and then it became everything became no matter I could rip someone a million different ways. If you wrote a nice thing about someone, right. it was uh, oh you're look in at the their hip pocket. Yeah, and, but don't don't didn't you get the sense yeah, that that's where it sort of I agree. turned? I, that that was a huge turning point. Um, and look. Uh, it's not fun to get beat on a story. You're as competitive a, yes. a, a reporter as anyone I know, and I, I mean that uh, with with admiration and sincerity because you, you better be invested and you better want – it's like you know, if you're an athlete, you want to win the game. You're a reporter. You want to get the story that no one else has, and, and I've always had great admiration for your doggedness to do that, and I think that's made you uh, the reporter that you are. And we all want to get stories. Nobody well, likes that. I mean, the worst, you know, the worst feeling in the world. And now it's, you know, it used to be, 
opening your eyes slowly to the paper in the morning. Now it's Twitter. Uh, now it's uh, well. Can I say? I'll just say this. This is the mutual admiration society. But I will say this. I remember when I was coming up, thinking, "How do you break stories?" And you were breaking so many stories. And I almost went up to you and asked you, "How do you break stories, Sean?" <laughs> like, how do you, how uh, do, you do? I that? have it written down here on a little cheat sheet. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, we talk about breaking stories and being competitive, and, and but this has turned. I mean, this has changed. Yep. Where. And, and Comcast is a perfect example of that. They, I get the sense, like, Evangelic is going there. I get the sense that they don't care if he breaks a single story. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think they would, you know, it's it, it it's always good to be able to say our guy, yeah, you know, but and do you put Chiron priori- up. But do you think no. they prioritize this like they no. did three or four years ago? No. I mean, no. it, because this was one of your huge strengths, right? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think so. And it, you know, and it gets harder uh, the more people that are on the beat and you know the you have good aggressive you know you talked about some of the younger guys whether it be you know tim Britton or or uh jen mccafferty or you know there, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of um you know good talented aggressive reporters who are out for um a unique angle or to you know i, I mean that you talked about 2011 being a turning point. I'd say that, um, you know, an, an evolution over the last 10 years has been, okay, everyone's going to have the game story. Everyone's going to have the injury update. Everyone's going to have the, uh, they got to make a move, roster move tomorrow. It's probably going to be this guy sent down and probably this guy gets activated and this guy gets designated. A certain amount of that is kind of cut and dried. But the trick now because we can all see everybody's work, and so can the consumer, the fan, uh, is to provide something different and unique mm. and come up with an angle that maybe hasn't been written about. And some of those young reporters do that extraordinarily but you, well. But you know, the, the, you're absolutely right. And it was always, and, and that's one of the things that you know, we all tried to do, even back 10 years ago. You're always trying to find the unique angle of everything else. But here it is. Uh, Part of that, the offshoot of that now is not only find the unique angle, but find the unique headline. Or if yeah. you have the same thing, present it a different way right. and throw in five GIFs and three videos yep. and embed three tweets. Yep. And, and and that's another change. And, and yeah, a, a lot mean, of the writers, a lot of the writers, it's very frustrating being a baseball writer right now. This goes back to screw you. It's definitely harder to be a baseball writer right now because it's it's like there's too much information. Yep. There's too you, much. Too right, many you got to distinguish yourself. Yeah. And look, I'm sure you've had this experience. You come up with um, a, a kind of a unique angle, or even you know a newsy angle that nobody has. And, you know, you sit there and labor over how am I going to attract people to this story yes. with 140 characters? And you don't want to be too clickbaitish, like, why Chris Sale <laughs> almost didn't want to come to Boston? <laughs> or- my, my go-to is the Huffington Post this, this winter was how Bernie Sanders can still win the election. You click on it. Bernie Sanders cannot cannot win the election i mean this fooled is you. It is. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you you obsess over how to you know i mean headlines are always important back in the day of traditional newspapers but by then you already kind of had people they're they more, had already bought the paper to, to me they're more important than the story now yeah yeah and that's probably not a good thing no. for journalism uh but as i was saying you probably have had that story where like Hey, this is this is pretty good. I like this. Nobody has this. I found this angle, or I got this nugget of information that nobody has, and you you labor over how you're going to word it on Twitter, and you check back an hour later, and like ten people have looked at it, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, what? And then you put some, you know, then there's a throwaway thing up there, and it's retweeted, you know, 327 times, and it, you know. It distorts the view, you know, and uh, and you wonder, like, what is it that people want? Because I'm not sure, you know, because I thought story A was 20 times more relevant and interesting, mm-hmm. and people barely looked at it, and then there's this throwaway thing that I put up that is getting clicked on like mad. Did they, as as it evolved over toward the your end of the run at the Comcast, did they become more um, focused on, we want 
your clicks were. And I'm not, Art's great. Art Martone is outstanding, mm-hmm. and I don't think that he would ever be like your your page views aren't where they need to be. But was there more of that? Where was, hey, you know what? You know this is really working. So try to go down this road because it's going to get more clicks. Yes, yeah. I mean, and and look, you know, you have to, um, you have to adapt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there's a you know if there's an overarching lesson to be learned here in the media it's it's constantly changing it's you know you there the people's patterns are changing it's discovered that people's patterns are changing and they want more of this and less of that and you have to adapt with that or else you become irrelevant and they were very much you know cognizant of you know well uh let's try to have look you do this rob uh Let's have something fresh at eleven uh, up there by eleven or eleven thirty because it you know people in their office mm-hmm. are maybe taking the time at lunch to you know click through and see if there's anything interesting and you know word it like this. Sam and- Travis had a three run homer yesterday. Here's an example. I'm sitting in my car listening to an awesome AM a fifty AM signal, and I hear Sam Travis hit a home run, and I'm like, oh, I know that people want to talk about Sam Travis. My fingers are bleeding as I wrote. A, a an undershirtless Sam Travis continues his spring, spring training legend, right? Yep. Because Sam Travis hit a wind-aided home run, which I heard on the radio, and it got kicked, clicked on like crazy. I always say, this is my line lately, you do the things that you don't want to do to do the things that you do want to yeah, do. Yeah, I, I get that. You know, uh, you know, you, 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 you have to get people's eyeballs on something, um, and maybe the way to do that through the Twitter link isn't how you would do it of your own volition, but that's the game that has to be played. Yeah. Do you think that when when you go to wherever you're going to go from here, and do you think that you'll do anything different? Do you think that like have have you uh, in this time off? It's only been a couple months, mm. and I'm sure that you got big plans coming up, and you're going to be doing something great. Uh, in this time, reflecting on anything, are you? Have you have you t- taken a step back and say I'm going to do it this different or this or make any tweak at all or do you have a pretty good grasp? Did you feel like you had already had a pretty good grasp? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it <clears throat> I think it largely depends on where I end up if if anywhere. And you know, as you know, I, I gave a little uh, a little talk at Buck's house to uh, the people that were kind enough to turn out, and I said, look, there's every possibility that. Because of my age and because of the uh, the way sports media is now, that I, I've I've worked my last day in sports media, and maybe that turns out to be true. Uh, and if it is, nobody owes me a living. You know, I'm I'm not gonna sit there and rail against the darkness. And you know, hey, I'm not ready to retire yet. You know, where's my job? I demand to have a job doing this because I've been doing it for almost thirty years. No one's guaranteed anything. And uh, if because of the marketplace, then the, and there's no call or need for what I do, then it's. Do you my, ever want to do anything about doing anything else? Yeah, I'm not talking about going working at IBM or something, but going on a fishing boat and writing a book, or you know, or yeah, I, I mean, I, and I've explored a lot of different things in, in the last couple of months, and and you know, to that degree, um, it, it's been beneficial because it it forces you to. Um, think, okay, I may not be able to keep doing this. So being that I'm not ready to retire, what else can I do? And more to the point, what else do what I want to do? If, because I made clear, and I've made clear to anybody that I've spoken to, that it's my preference to keep doing this. Uh, part of it is the comfort and familiarity because it's, you know, dating back even before I was on the beat, uh, I, I put good use to of to my political science degree uh, from Providence College in 1981, and have worked almost exclusively in the sports media uh, since the fall of 1981. You could run so, for office. Yeah, I, I, I don't see myself <laughs> you could, as. Uh, you, could, you could be like the. You could be the ying to shillings yang on Breitbart yeah, Radio. We, we certainly would have differing <laughs> political views, ideologically and otherwise. Um, but it's it's uh, it's all I've done since 1981. I worked in radio uh, for four years uh, after getting out of school. Uh, in 1985, I went to work for the Journal. I did some other things, <clears throat> including <clears throat> excuse me, 
including a media column for a couple of years. Did some high school sports. Uh, that's your, that, there you go. Now you're talking. <clears throat> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, backed up on the Patriots, covered the Bruins. I did a little bit of everything. But I have earned a paycheck from sports media since 1981. And, you know, so uh, it's – it. I don't want to say it's all I've known, but in a strictly professional sense, it is, you know, and it, it's a little, it's both uh, uh, scary and a little bit invigorating to kind of look over that cliff and say, well, what if, what if I can't, uh, what if I don't do this, what else might I want to do? And, you know, I've, I've thought about some book ideas, um, I've thought about, you know, I, I think most people who know me know that I am both uh, interested in both uh, politics and in music. Those are, you know, and the, as, as you know, Rob, what we do is what a lot of is what 98 percent of the population does as a as a hobby. Yes. You know, um, you know, if, if you're a fan following the Red Sox or the Patriots or Celtics or Bruins or who, whatever sport it is, whatever team, that's your, you know, that's your fun. You get home, you do a nine to five job, or maybe you don't do a nine to five job, but whatever you do professionally, sports is your outlet. Well, because we do sports as our job, they can't also necessarily be our outlet and we need to find other things. And I've always been a huge music fan and uh, very interested in politics. So I've thought about things there I mean, the problem is is dating is going back to what I said a while ago that while those are huge interests and passions for me, I don't have any experience in the field. So I can, you know, You'd I be, could, I you could don't go, want to be an intern at Rolling Stone magazine. No, no, and and you know, I could go to somebody and say, you know, you know, I have a degree in political science from thirty seven <laughs> years ago, and uh, and you know, I still follow politics closely. So you should hire me as but, a campaign hey, listen, consultant. Listen, that's how the kids coming out of college. You know as well as I do. You get the hey, I can write. I I, I have a hot take about the Red Sox. Yeah. I can write about the Red Sox better than anyone. So let me write about the Red Sox. Right. Or, or you run into people at the you know at the backyard cookout or the cocktail party yes. that says, you know, my son knows all the statistics. <laughs> You know, it's like, well, why didn't you say so? Bring him in and we'll start him tomorrow. And he can run and he can jump. He does it all. Yeah. Uh, last question is that, you know, when you look at doing this job and what is the thing that you like best about it? Like you said, it would be your preference to stay in this industry and keep doing this job. And what is the thing that, that says, I really, really miss that, and, I, and when I start doing it again, this is what I'm really going to like? And for me, honestly, for me, it's I can be having a terrible day, but if I write a story that I like, I mean, it's, it, you can't do this on the radio or TV. Mm-hmm. There is something about writing a good story or breaking a story or something that changes everything. There is a sense of accomplishment where you can't get doing any of this other stuff. I, I, I totally agree. There, there's nothing – that beats, you know, uh, we've talked about the competitive aspect here, but there's nothing, uh, it, it, it's it's invigorating, it's intoxicating. You're working on a story that you know you have by yourself, and uh, whether it's ego or not, you know, you're, you're sending and filing, and you know that in this day and age, in a half hour, people are going to have to follow up what you did. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I, I mean, the, the, look, I, that might sound egotistical and selfish, but you know it's a it's a it's a sort of immediate professional gratification. You know, I I found this out before anybody else did, and now uh, you know it's conf- I've confirmed it. I know it's accurate. I know it's true, and now everyone else is going to say is going to have to go around and uh, and work behind you to react to what you did. Part of it's that, but I don't know that I could isolate it to uh, to just one thing. I li- I like the game, you know. Uh, Buck always, you know, teases me about, uh, oh, you guys think you're guardians of the game, and never felt that at all. I, I enjoy the game. I've watched baseball since nineteen, you know. My my uh, speaking of Buck, uh, my first Red Sox game was the day after Tony C was beamed, and it was one of the. Uh, the signature comeback wins of the impossible dream season, uh, you know, cliche went with my dad to Fenway. Save this because Buck's going to start a podcast, and this could be. Your I, title. I, I know. No, I don't. No, I, I, I don't want to rob him of his uh, <laughs> of his side of his the content. street. Um, 
But I enjoy the game. And if I never work another day in sports media, I'll continue to follow the game. But there are other aspects. You know, I, I like to travel. Uh, it, again, it's, 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 uh, it's habit forming and it's what I've never, I've never been that person, you know, stuck on 128 at, you know, 520 in the afternoon, driving home with the afternoon commute and rush hour. Um, so I like the unpredictability of the day, not knowing, you know, okay, I'm going to the ballpark at three o'clock, but who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, Best reality show there is. Right. Um, I like, I enjoy traveling to, to certain cities and, you know, and, uh, and doing that. I, I like the camaraderie, um, on the beat. Um, you know, th- there's not much I don't like about it. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd agree with you. The, the real drug is, you know, getting that story first, right. And, uh, and, you know, you feel like, okay, I, I did a good job today. Yeah. Well, you did a good job today, Sean. I appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having me, and, Rob. Uh, I enjoyed it. It will be the best podcast. It will be much better than the Dustin Pedroia yelling at me for 12-minute podcast <laughs> I did last I week. I thought about doing that. but <laughs> He's, Basically, you're just telling me how, how I'm terrible at my job. So thank you for- It's always good to have that reality yeah, check. It's, 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 I'm, I'm falling somewhere in the middle. I'm playing for the time. But thanks so much, Sean. Thanks for having me on, Rob. I enjoyed it. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. As America celebrates Juneteenth, join me, Femi Redwood, the host of the Beyond Black History Month podcast, as we continue our special series. To how one man's love helped build a strong black community after freedom. He was just a man that truly believed in family. To how the spirit of Juneteenth connected many in the diaspora. You can find Beyond Black History Month on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.